0: And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show.
2: Everyone's fans, welcome back for episode ninety-one of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Um, in uh, partnership and, and show sponsor, the um, Weekend Warriors Adult Hockey Academy. Uh, you can find them at weekendwarriorshockey.com on Twitter at wwadulthockey. You can also call them eight one four six seven three two thousand. They're gearing up to get ready for hockey camps for the summer programs. Uh, they'll be in Pittsburgh this coming weekend from April 19th to the 22nd, Shelton, Connecticut and April 26th to the 29th, and skipping a few dates down, they'll be in Boston in June 7th to the 10th, so uh, if you're a, a weekend warrior hockey player or a beer leaguer that wants some more experience and, uh, and training, um, these guys uh, guarantee to ele- elevate your game. So We have an exciting show. Uh, We have a lot of topics to cover uh, in this program. We have a guest, um, and uh, we also, in the second hour, have um, my boy uh, Josh B uh, from ShippingUpToCausway.com. He joined me for Prospect Talk. Um, Let's just welcome in uh, blackandgoldhockey.com writer Mike Craddy. You can find Mike at Mike underscore Craddy. Uh, he is the co-host of uh, Sports Spot Radio program at Merrimack College on Mondays from noon to one PM. Mike, thanks for joining the show. No problem. Glad to be back. How's As it? As always. Yeah. Um, so it's four of us. It's going to be a, um, a, a hopefully a, an upbeat show. Um, we got to talk about the games last week. Um, games one and two of the of this first round series against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. It's been exciting so far. The Bruins are up two to nothing uh, in the best of seven series, um, and and Thursday night it was just what a way to start. Uh, Brad Marchand gets on the board, and uh, David Backes, D- David Pasternak, Sean Corrali, and David Krejci all contribute to the five to one win. Um, and just an exciting way to start this series and i honestly honestly didn't see that this coming at all i thought that the maple leafs would would kind of show up a little bit but they haven't and, 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 and it's a proud moment to say that because you know they they are and they can be a dangerous team
3: oh yeah fast yeah extremely
2: really fast
3: for um, sure so uh Tweet the other day saying that um, James Reimer gave the Leafs the chance to redeem themselves after the uh, the loss last time, uh, the most famous loss in playoff history, probably. But um, yeah, because he beat uh, wasn't it him in net for the Florida Panthers in the last game of the season? Yeah, that made us face the Leafs.
2: Yeah, but it was also it was also James Reimer that shut out the Bruins as a as a Florida Panther.
3: Yeah. So, that's a, that's a fun little fact to start on. <laughs> But the Bruins have been played. Like, that first game was the most nerve-wracking thing to watch ever, I think. Um, you don't want to, like, start off too hot and then fade out. But Try living do. in Toronto. <laughs> oh, well.
1: Ugh, it's, like, freaking terrible.
3: <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, but... But here in England, you get a there is a lot of Toronto supporters. Oh, true story. Not not as many as in Toronto. I'll give you that one. Oh, yeah. But, uh... Hey, like
1: I, I tweeted earlier today, I got booed at the grocery store. Booed <laughs> like an actual full blown boo. Like I did. I knew what I was doing. I I was walking out the door and I put on my hoodie and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna wear this without my jacket zipped up. It's definitely gonna happen. Um, and I got booed. It felt amazing <laughs> because um. <laughs> It's been a lot of, you know, holding my head down a lot lately here in Toronto when uh, the season series in the last two years is 7-1 Leafs. Um, And I'm tired of hearing that. Oh, they beat us in the regular season. And, you know, as you both were alluding to, they're a good hockey club. Um, The fact that Austin Matthews is two games, zero goals, zero assists, and a minus two. um, I don't know if you guys heard his quote um, to the worst writer in Toronto history, Steve Simmons. We're going to touch on that later. Mm-hmm. No, I just it's because it was said to him. So, yeah, um, Austin Matthews' answer to the Berger Online um, having 20 points uh, in two games against him. Shit happens, I guess that's hockey. I don't know if you guys saw it. I, I know. I think Mike, you retweeted it. The, uh, uh, <coughs> the past last goal, Austin Matthews pretty much watched him score.
4: Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's got to a point where I'm I'm on the boat where I'm very shocked that. The outpouring of offense—not that they wouldn't have a lot of offense—but like to this degree, it's been insane, and it looks to the point where late in the game they were just disinterested, and it's highlighted on Pashnak's through the leg through the legs goal to um make it his third of the game that Austin Matthews is just done. He looks like he looks like OV back in the day when Ovi like didn't know how to play defense, and um looked like his controller shot off while he's playing a game of NHL. But it's the whole team, like they, they look like they're just falling apart right in front of our eyes after a productive regular season. And um, certainly in my eyes, what was going to be a much more competitive series to start, and it just hasn't been.
1: Yeah, I was, I was worried at the beginning of this series that we weren't going to, sorry Bruins fans, not beat them, just from the way we played. Because I've been to the majority of the games in Toronto and watched our, our beloved Bruins just suck like they just no effort no effort but then the first 10 minutes of game one was unbelievable like the the fans they gave him a standing ovation and they deserved it on yeah. how well they played in that first 10. Toronto did come back into the game and I still say this is a totally different series if Mitch Marner scores on that power play to make it 2-1 Toronto um whether Tuca got a piece of it or whatever the puck goes across the crease they don't score Backus gets the second and you know, Pasta snipes. Now the move—I don't know if you guys saw it—the move Pasta makes on Ron Hainsey and um, Placanix to get that third goal. He makes them both commit to the front of the net, and then he moves back and allows Marchand to hit him to hit that third goal. Was unbelievable. Yeah, it's—it's it's not just the shot he did; the little the hesitation move he made to have a veteran like Placanix and a veteran like Hainsey look like they're playing peewee hockey because he made them both break their ankles and go to the front of the net and he just snipes it home um, it's been good it's not over yet it's only two games but you know they're they're first in goals per game obviously um, you know they're right now we have the playoff leaders of pasta, Marchand, Bergie and Krug who's playing lights out again in the playoffs shouldn't be a surprise um, Kevin Miller leading the team in ice time did anybody see that coming? not at all <laughs>
4: Kevin, Yeah, Kevin Miller has been playing out of his mind, especially Game 2. Um, he's been playing a lot better this season, but in the playoffs, he's just been a completely different animal. And you brought up Tory Krug. I was talking to my friends before Game 1 where Krug didn't get a chance last year to show what he could do in the playoffs. We all remember the first time against the Rangers when Krug um, showed his stuff to the Bruins fans in the big spotlight, and now he's just tearing it up, picking up right where he left off in the playoffs. And it's been huge he's he honestly he honestly plays like a forward sometimes it, like if you didn't know much about the Bruins and watch Tori Krug, you'd think he was a forward with the way Whoa. he plays sometimes, but he doesn't allow it to like shadow his um his defensive responsibilities in a bad way, which I think he did a little bit earlier in his career, but like as he's grown as a player, like I think he's done a good job of getting involved in the offense and still like maintaining his defensive responsibilities which has been huge
1: yeah and as Rob you were alluding to when we were talking before before the show started um uh, you get to uh obviously your feed is the CBC feed because you were talking about Elliot Friedman and his comments on how you know the Bruins aren't just one line and they're a team made for the playoffs you look at this roster and they're a team that will step up you have David Krejci who's in the top I think he's in the top 20 points per game with like yeah. eight 0. 0.86 or something like that. You have Rick Nash, who's played phenomenal last game. He got his first goal, but he played phenomenal in the first game. You have you have some things they need to improve on. Every team needs to improve on, but we need to look at the positives here. We're making the Toronto Maple Leafs lose their first two games all year by more than four goals. Two games yeah. in a row.
3: That's crazy. And last night when I was kind of prepping for the show and thinking of things to talk about, I was going to talk about the possibility of Sweeney starting to mix the lines up mid-game, like let Pasternak play on the second line, like in the second and third period, just for one shift. And he did that last night. And that's the crazy thing: if you, if a lineup is expecting a guy like Rick Nash, who is a bit slower on the right-hand side, the matchup, if you put Pasternak in there instead, the speed difference is unreal. So, if he keeps doing little things like that and just quickly chucking a guy out there to make him wonder what's happening, um, I think that'll go really well. The same thing as, like, uh, Shalos stepping up yesterday after that big hit um, and then fighting Hainsey. That's what we've been calling out for that fourth line to do for a long time. People want to see them being more physical, and you can't get any more physical than that. Um, and that was a good hit, because I saw a lot of people calling out that that was a dirty hit.
1: Oh, just like yeah. the, the Komarov. Komarov actually was going in to hit Miller, and Miller got the best of him, because once again, as, as Mike was saying, Miller is playing like an elite defenseman in the playoffs right now. He's phenomenal. Oh. Just phenomenal right now.
3: That and- goal, I said that goal was coming when Uh, during the regular season there was a couple of times that he'd done that uh, skating kind of throw it across the crease move and knew he was going to get one in the playoffs at least it it does the same move every time though I don't get how guys haven't scouted that he gets down to the goal line and just pulls up
1: who who knew Kevin Miller had a transition game we knew he had a defensive game Um, yeah his transition game has been phenomenal. He looks like Tory Krug out there sometimes. Yeah, and I I, think, I can't believe I'm going to say it. Adam McQuaid. He's yeah. playing phenomenal. Yeah, yeah he like, has stepped every, it up.
3: Everyone is playing at the top level of the game. Like, everyone's playing a line above where they're actually playing at. The fourth line's playing like a third line. The third line's playing like a second line. Like, that's the thing about playoff hockey. If you players come to play and do those kind of things, you're going to have success. But just like Toronto at the moment, if you kind of switch off and you don't want to get involved, your team's going to lose.
2: Um, after last night's thumping of the uh, the Maple Leafs in Game 2, a 7-3 score, uh, David Pasternak with a hat trick, um, just an amazing, amazing player, and he's coming into his own. And what a great time to have him... Um, his, his play is just unbelievable it's gangster you know what I mean it's like with the hat It's hat filthy. For the gangster yeah no that hat he's wearing yeah it's that was all gangster you see that you see that suit man that guy could yeah. dress in stripes suit yeah man so
1: Rob and I were talking about it before that's pas got eight six points last night it was the he tied uh Phil Esposito. and Phil Esposito did it in 1969 and uh, Rick middleton did it in uh, 1983 but the funny part is Esposito did it against the Leafs, too. Uh, And then he also, um, as Mike was saying, was the youngest six-point game beating Wayne Gretzky with six points. Gretzky did it in 1983, but he was only 22 years old at the time. Just phenomenal. And his contract is a beast of a deal. Just a beast of a deal.
3: And he's a late first-round draft pick. Yep. Yeah. Not fair. Um. When you look at when you look at that draft year, the people talk about the Bruins passing up on guys. <coughs> everyone that passed up on Pasternak, yeah, that's uh,
4: yeah,
3: bad on you. I, I the
4: swallow. I was watching last night and thinking of Kasperi Kapanen, who's on the Leafs originally a Penguin draft pick. But like, imagine imagine if we took like Kapanen over Pasternak that year. Like, imagine how many teams are just kicking themselves right now. Because they didn't take David Pasternak, like it's, it's incredible looking back at it now that he didn't go at least like in the top fifteen or something.
2: Yeah, that's the draft gamble.
4: Yeah, but
3: the but as well the Bruins have built David Pasternak. Like you see the size difference in him compared to his first few seasons, and you watch behind the B where they talked about him having to put more muscle on, and some of it is Claude Julien's helping because he wanted a. They want a two-way game, and if you look at the guys that have been there from the Julian era, all of them are defensive, pretty defensively sound. So there's some things to thank Julian for. There's other things that we don't want to. So yeah.
2: Um, so looking at the uh, upcoming games, we have a, a match. The game three is tomorrow night in Toronto at the ACC. Can't and- go.
1: Most expensive ticket I've ever seen in my life. Uh,
2: standing room. I heard standing room was like three hundred seventy-five dollars a piece. No, 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 Mark.
1: Oh, Mark, that's then. That's U.S. Then think about it, convert that uh, into Canadian. Right, right, right. So like, for me, that's six hundred dollars to go to the game.
2: Oh, crazy! Just and that's and literally that means you're standing, yeah, in yeah, the corridor. And,
1: correct. And and my dad might be going to the game,
2: courtesy of that connection that I
1: found out about last time I was in in Boston, but. Uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Cool.
2: So um, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then on Thursday, uh, it's it's going to be a much needed two days rest, but uh, or it could be, you know, one of those things that kick the Bruins in the in the butt. But they get back on the ice Thursday for Game Four again at the ACC. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this road game. We've seen it during the regular season, uh, the way this this Bruins team uh, can can win on the road and 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 often. So uh, it should be uh, very exciting. Um, uh, but speaking of Toronto, and and I kind of wanted to segue this in uh, to our ninety-first episode. So I'm pretty much going to honor uh, the the play of Mark Savard in, in his in his career in Boston, um, but. Uh, last week, I saw. A so we're pretty... naming the episode. Oh, uh, it, it's an honor. Okay. I, I'm not naming the episode because we get cursed every time I do this.
3: Because <laughs> the last episode we named was the Jordan Karell yeah. edition. So I don't even know
2: how you could ever come up with that
1: name. Anyways, uh,
2: wow. so uh, Steve Simmons, uh, who writes for the Toronto Sun, kind of wrote a, a really not kind of he did. He wrote a really crappy article about how. Mark neglected him to answer his phone calls when he was not well. He was not in a good state of mind at all after he was suffering
1: from post concussion syndrome.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't, if I had a, if I got my bell rung, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to rush out to, you know, answer the the beck and call of some writer that wants to get an article. You know, you have to understand that. And then years later, he found it offensive that now Mark's in the media. So he you know spouted off about that and it kinda like and, you know Mark Savard how classy he is uh retweeted and just said that hurt, you know and, and I understand that. I can, I can understand where he's coming from, but I just that's Steve Simmons, it, it almost like he he did it on purpose to get himself and the and the Toronto Sun clicks. You know? I and mean, his apology it, was
1: a joke.
2: Yeah, wouldn't well, that come out today?
1: Uh no, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, I mean, now as someone myself who currently is suffering from potion Customs syndrome, um, and you witnessed it, Mark, when I visited Boston, I had to leave the bar. Like some days, I let alone want to talk to people, I don't even want to get out of bed. So you know what? Shut up, Steve Simmons. Yeah, I mean, that was just a real jerk thing to do. And then he used anxiety. And I know a lot of people suffer. He used anxiety as an excuse how how he should know. Well, if he does have anxiety, like he's saying, then yeah, he should know that when you have anxiety, you don't even want to talk to people then either. Right. He should be more sensitive
2: to
4: the issues.
1: Exactly, instead of making light of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a real, just uh, very unclassy move to even discuss that. And I just wanted to bring up um, how how much Mark is. Has really gone out of his way to come back into the into the the limelight of the sport and and to give back and uh, if you don't follow him please follow him on Twitter at m savvy ninety one he does a tremendous job on the YouTube channel with the stick tapes I really enjoy watching him but what what I found out and he like I said he's a class guy but. This this was ultimate class to me. But he has a cl- he's starting a clothing line right now, and and he's only got two hats on his on his catalog. Uh, but all the proceeds from those sales go to uh, concussion research, and I thought that that was really class of him, and in a way to, um, you know, to get the, the ball further I- involved in the role of uh, trying to find a a, um, a cl- or a. a Cure of uh, find out how this is happening, why it's happening, and so on, so if you want to please go to project ninety one dot c a and check it out and, and um buy a hat and 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 uh you know contribute to the cause, yeah, and for
1: you American listeners, it's cheaper for you,
2: yeah, exactly it's not like, thirty five dollars on the website it's like twenty five it's, it's just straight up cheaper people, yeah. So definitely, I you know, I just wanted to give him a shout out for that. And also just, you know, the way he handled it was just like, you know, you know, he could have gone out and even said it on, on, on 31 Thoughts with uh, Jeff Merrick and uh, Elliot Friedman that he literally sat for a few hours and talked to his wife about exactly how he was going to respond. And he didn't have anything good th- things to say, but then deleted, I mean, deleted what he wrote and then just was very simple, that hurt, and it dropped from there, so um, yeah, just a very unclassy thing to do from Steve Simmons. and I hope the Toronto Sun's really proud about that too. Um, yeah, no one, no one it's reason. so crappy.: Yeah.
4: It just makes you angry. like even even if you're not a Bruins fan or Thrasher's fan, anyone that he played for, like that's got to make you mad because Mark Savard is one of those guys that like didn't he's a local anybody. boy, Mikey. Everybody loves him. He was, he, was, he was a playmaker. He was purely a playmaker. He wasn't an agitator. He had like probably didn't have many enemies in the league besides uh, goaltenders that he lit up. And for Steve Simmons to wrongly treat him so poorly and call him out just for his own agenda is really crappy and reflects poorly on him as a journalist and a person. So I hope he's proud of himself.
2: Yeah. Above all of Mark's accomplishments and so on in his life, it, the the biggest part about it is the guy's human, you know, and he should be treated that way, you know. So, um, and speaking of headshots, uh, Nazem Kadri uh, is continues to be a pest in the league. I'm not going to say that we don't have one ourselves. I'm not happy sometimes when Brad Marchand puts his his um individual efforts on the line when it comes to stuff like this and and in no way am i saying or we saying as a show that brad Mashan, you know we turn a shoulder to him on this on this program because we don't we actually acknowledge everything he does and we get upset when he does stuff like this but i thought Nazim kadri was a was kind of a, a piece of crap uh what he did to tommy wingles and um and in his in his exit interview at the end of the game, he pretty much admitted that he saw uh, Wingles take uh, liberties on uh, Mitch It Was in an elbow? And it, it, yeah. he might have gotten that elbow up. I agree. It is what it is. But when he saw that and then physically went after, left his feet, turned his butt into Wingles' head into the, da- into the boards, I thought that that was a pretty cheap shot. So uh, he got three games for it. Is it deserving? Or do you guys would have seen more?
3: I think he should have got it for the series. And I think anyone that targets anyone's head to injure should be gone for the series, at least. Because that was was a very dangerous play that he did. Um, And luckily, he's wearing a visor, which probably protected him a little bit on that. Um, But I just... He's just the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. I hate that guy. <laughs> and I understand what people feel when Marshan does something stupid as well. Because, uh, yeah, not a big fan of cardries.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest. I The amount of arguments I got with local friends of mine who all their arguments were Marshan, Marshan, who had nothing to do with the play. Then they were like, why wouldn't Wingles get suspended? I was like, you know what? Wingles should have got a two-minute penalty for elbowing. But that's all it was. It wasn't a suspendable play. And I'm like, the only reason he was down below is because Barner's stick actually got in between Wingle's feet and yep. trip Wingle's for Quadri to come in and go ape on this guy and leave his feet. Once you leave your feet, it's over. Yep. And if you look at the history of Nazem Quadri, the last three suspensions that he has served in the NHL are all for headshots, all for leaving his feet. Yep. Two plays before that, he sticks his knee out a la, you know, Alf Samuelson on Cam Neely. To Rick Nash, yep. and before that, when he took Wingles below the boards and did the boarding, they, I, I, I'm surprised Peros was just like, "You got to be kidding me!" Like seriously, what? There was no defense. There was nothing he could say. But I had friends telling me he was sticking up for a teammate. That's great. And I was like, "Well, he might have just cost you the series."
2: Yeah, but there's, so, there's there's ways to stick up for your teammate.
1: Yeah, you drop the gloves. Yeah, so and, I, and, but but donning.
2: I like I like the fact the way that the NHL player safety broke this down, and said that Nazem Kadri had enough time to. Make a decision not to go and make that hit because it was in a Wingle's was in a vulnerable position. So I mean, it was all it was. I mean, I'm not speaking for Kadri, but he had something in mind and he executed it. Oh, he was getting revenge for
1: the the play that he didn't think was boarding. Right, that's what he was doing. He was being the same thing Brad Marchand did when I was at the game in um in Boston. When it was against Ottawa, and he uh, he did the pitchforking and lifted him up from behind, he was just being selfish. And selfish plays result in selfish actions, and that's what happened. Exactly. And people can get hurt on selfish plays. And I, I, to my friends out there that think that it's okay, you know what? I'm sorry. I The fact that you even think he's sticking up for his teammates is just makes me think you're uneducated because, to be totally honest, when Brad Marchand does stupid things, we all think he's an idiot. Yep. I Don't ever say, you know what, Marchand was sticking up for his teammate. No, he wasn't. He's being selfish.
4: That's what those types of plays are all about. And back to what Mark touched on, like, in those in all three of those instances, the leg check, the first penalty on Wingles, and then the worst one of them all when Wingles um, was down, he went for the head. Like he, he knew exactly what he was doing. You look at him, you think of a player's mindset when they go into a play like that is that they're know, they know what they're doing. The first the first hit wasn't necessarily from behind, but regardless of the angle, he saw that Tommy Wingles, his numbers were sticking out. It wasn't directly from behind, but he saw the numbers sticking out and threw him into the boards. Could have been dangerous, could have uh, dealt facial damage, uh, neck problems, whatever. And the third one, this, what led to the suspension was the worst one of them all, just could have seriously, seriously hurt Tommy Wingles, And, like, he's he's ruining matchups. Like, he's ruining a chance for Toronto to come back because uh, Babcock has liked to spread out the 30 goal scorers on Toronto, uh, being Austin Matthews, James Van like and Kadri. And now he can't do that. It makes Bruce Cassidy's job easier in trying to shut down three lines with 330 goal scorers on each of them. Uh, well, one on each of them, rather, I should say. And it's just going to make Mike Babcock's job, and as well as Kadri's teammates, a living hell for the rest of the series against the Bruins team that's playing better than any other team in the playoffs right now. It's as simple as that.
3: <laughs> and the best thing is Kadri's been a really good two-way center this yeah. Like oh yeah, he's he's like really the only one. People. Yeah. And uh sucks to lose him, but that's what you get Toronto.
2: Yeah, and so. it's so it's so funny to see the reaction on that Toronto bench, I mean, especially to happen to us. Yeah, Mike Babcock just uh, doesn't look like he has a- anything for this Bruins team that are exposing huge areas of this Toronto offense um and they're making the best of it and, and hopefully they carry this uh, this this momentum into into toronto tomorrow night and for game four on thursday so please 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 exactly please, please. I, I i want this series not only as a die bruins fan and 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 host of the show so we have something great to talk about but for you court I, I i want you to wear that jersey whatever whichever one you have in the in the in the man cave hanging up or whatever to... Oh, I got
1: I got the pasta. I got two bursies and my dad's.
2: And then just walk right around Toronto for a week, just so, soaking in it.
1: I have a bet. I didn't want to. I don't. You know me. I don't like chirping. Don't like placing bets on these things. But uh, especially against the Leafs. Uh, a friend of mine's wedding is coming up this summer, and his dad's a huge Leaf fan. He asked it that if the Leafs win, I wear a Leafs jersey, and if the Bruins win, he gets to wear a Bruins jersey. He's now regretting every minute of this. But he's texting me on a regular basis. Do I? And I will will make him wear. Yeah, Corey's dad. Okay. I'm going. To, I'm going to um, make him wear my dad's jersey the day of the wedding. Nice. In front of everybody. <laughs>
2: nice. And I'm in Leaf Country, so it's even better. <laughs> um. This, Riley Nash seems to be making some progress coming back from uh, a shot to the ear, which which pretty much. Exploded the side of his head, um, and he got 40 stitches um, in and out of his the side of his uh, ear. Uh, and, there's, and there's rumors actually, it's not rumors today, but they said that he's healthy enough to make a return. So, my question to you guys in order is if is Riley Nash has been a, a huge addition to this Bruins team this season, uh, whether it be uh, a full, healthy lineup or when people go down injured and I cannot uh, specify enough about his efforts when Bergeron was out and he was inserted on the top line. It was almost like a seamless fit. So with that being said, it's the playoffs. It's more important than the regular season because the Bruins are actually going and trying for something that we haven't seen in, in, in seven years. But um, do you – what what do you do about the lineup? I mean, is this a situation when Riley Nash can come in and then a player like Ryan Donato is going to sit? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. sorry. And no, and, and, nice. no and, and Rob, I got to tell you, and after last night's game, I'm not. You know, the kid's young. I understand that he's just getting his first legs in the NHL. Uh, you know, I know he's played. I think a, a dozen games, regular season games, and these in this this was 12. his first yeah twelve no, nine
1: he played nine sorry he
2: got twelve points nine games and then last night was his first playoff game so I mean it might be a little overwhelming for him but you know from what I saw I'm 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 on the same boat I got to go with the experience here
3: yeah um the thing is Riley Nash fits in on that third line center spot no doubt um Achari slides back down to the fourth to play with Curly and Shalla. Which has been
1: phenomenal. Those yeah. guys on that fourth line, just phenomenal.
3: Then you have to play Heinen and Bacus with Riley Nash. Yep. You don't take Rick Nash out of the second line because last night's game proves why, because he was dominant. Um, and that first line, you you couldn't even put Sidney Crosby in there. I'm sorry, like it. Just, you don't t- change anything about that. So, unless Ryan Donato is an amazing defenseman, uh, no, I think he rides the pine for a few games. The only uh, guy that I can, well, Tommy Wingles will probably be out, uh, and Donato can see them as the two guys sitting.
2: Yeah, but really. when, when you when you broke that down, Rob, if you don't mind me cutting in real quick, but w- what does that do for a player like Nualachari?
3: Well, he slides down to the fourth line, and then Wingles, Donato, Sit, and you play the fourth line of Achari, Shaller, and um, Curly. Okay. Cause and then that, think about that, it. That line with Curly, sorry, Port, uh, that okay. line with Curly, that was the line for the last half of the season that we were all talking about. Yeah. We were all saying the energy that they bring, and not like the Merlot line energy that used to come out, but the speed, the skill, the the hitting, like they have everything on that line. And
1: yeah, they score both. Could... Silky yeah, it's shallower.
3: And... Yeah, and that is like Arizona's second line. We have Arizona's <laughs> second line as our fourth <laughs> line. So I uh, just this team is incredible. But yeah. Donato's gonna get more chances. He's a young kid. This isn't gonna make him run off to a different team. Uh, this isn't going to change anything. I think he knows that he probably is the guy who's going to sit. You got to think these guys have played 82 games this season. He's played nine. You can't expect him. You can't expect himself to come in and just go. Oh well, I'm in the playoffs. No, these other guys did 90 percent of the work to get this team there. So I think he sits. You play everyone else, and Wingle's is the guy who comes in if there's an injury.
1: Especially when you're going into Toronto and they get the last change. Like I know yeah. Kadri's not playing, and it looks like, um, as I just saw, um, looks like Leo Komarov is not playing either um, from the collision with Miller. But when the Leafs have last change, the last, thing, and we're not, and we're not having a problem scoring goals. You got to worry about stopping goals. So you want to have at least. That fourth line intact, and unfortunately, Donato's just not that guy that can come back into the lineup. Like think about it, Tyler Segan, 2011, he sat a couple games. He didn't play all right. the time.
2: That's right. So,
1: you know what, Donato's going to have a great career as a Boston Bruin, but sorry, he's not that. He's not the guy that's going to be coming in the lineup. If if anybody in the top two lines gets hurt, sure, throw Donato in, but he's not going to be on the fourth line. And as we saw last night. He, he He didn't look bad. He just. I would use the word uncomfortable.
4: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I was a little bit skeptical of the whole sit Ryan Donato in Game One of the playoffs um, debacle. But now, looking at it, it kind of makes sense. I think him sitting in Game One was good, like in the scope of things, to like give him an idea. Like he is new. He has handled the pressure well. But like the playoffs as many people say, are a completely different season. Um, it's like a clean slate. And he, I agree with Cord. He did look a little uncomfortable. I saw him slapping at pucks um, a little more than I would have liked to. And I think that's okay. A little bit more in a game where you win by four goals. But, like, if you're in a closer game, that could have hurt you. But it made sense, obviously, with Wingles out of line for him to slot in. But, yeah. Um, I definitely wouldn't be opposed at this point after watching last night's game. I'm not trying to, like, um, pop off the Ryan Donato bandwagon, but um, giving him some more time in the press box because the bottom six, when it's intact, um, can match up against any line, it seems. Um, Heinen, Nash, and Bacchus, when they first uh, came together as the third line, was one of the best lines I had seen, like, bottom six line combos I've ever seen with the Bruins. And they're just so dominant in the two-way game and playing physically, uh, mainly with Nash and Bacchus. Then you have the fourth line that highlighted in the late portion of the season have just been so good. And when you have those guys intact, I think it makes um, for a nightmare for the Toronto Maple Leafs and any other possible future opponents um, that have to match up against tough lines like that outside of having to deal with the top two lines that have more scoring firepower. And um, you know, I don't think it'll be a terrible experience for Ryan Donato. I don't think he'll take it too hard. He had talked about how he liked playing in the high-pressure situations right off the bat, and um, just doing what he can. So I don't think he'll mind this too much. I think it'll be good for him in the long run. And um, uh, and Bruce, we trust because what he's been doing this year, um, I and most recently, um, it's definitely been highlighted with how they've been starting the playoffs has been working. So definitely. I'm all in on what he's saying. You I'll, never, you, I'll never, I'll never discount what he says anymore because I was a little skeptical about keeping Donato out. You always now I get why.
1: Talk about power play and penalty killing being coach stat. power play is fifty percent and the penalty killings eighty five point yeah. seven percent. Yeah, and I tweeted this cool.
2: out not too long ago that uh, uh, special teams can literally win this series, except in two thousand eleven. Right? Yeah, because <laughs> they only had one power play goal back then. We actually have a power play and we have multi 30 goal scorers and 20 goal scorers.
1: But against the Toronto Maple Leafs, yes, cuz they take super penalties cuz they're a young team. Exactly. And they might be putting Matt Martin in people. Sorry, I just I'm I'm reading I get Toronto news and it looks like Matt Martin might be slotting into the lineup and that's just amazing. Oh, of course. It's the guy
4: they need, honestly.
1: But I it's not going like, to it's not like, going to help
4: them. them. It's going to be the opposite for Oh, it's not going to right? help them, but I think I like the idea of bringing the um a roughhouser like him into the lineup because although it didn't appear to do much, um, Ron Hainsey really, um, made a good attempt at trying to spark the fire for the, um, Leafs when going after Tim Schaller on that hit on Mitch Marner. But I don't know, maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. But honestly, if the Bruins keep on playing like they're playing, no matter how they shuffled the lines, I don't think it's going to work. I think this series is going to be over in four
2: or five games if this keeps up. Um, How about this Bruins defense after two games and, and how they just have just limited, and I know Court brought up the, the stats earlier in the show, but they just have shut down a player like, like Ma- um, Austin Matthews. Just an absolute... I mean, tight checking. They know what they're doing. They know they match the lines up very well, and just seem to physically and emotionally outskate this team. Is this something that could be concerning going into the the Hellfire of ACC in the next two games, or with these two ahead, uh, is there some kind of comfort?
3: Um I think as long as they keep doubling up on him like they have been doing, uh, I think there's only him and maybe two other guys that I'm super worried about. Um, so if they if they shut down them guys, then I, I think they've got this. I said the Bruins are winning five. I still think that's I'm going to stand by that. And I think tomorrow night is the first game they lose because I think. Going to Toronto, I think they'll win at home for the first game and then Bruins will win the next two. But it's just, it's hard to tell. I didn't think they'd come out this fierce, to be honest. Right. Yeah. This is a... Like I said before, it's always nerve-wracking when a team comes out this hot at the beginning. Because we've seen teams fall after, like, the first two games and then just drop games constantly. So... Well,
4: I got
1: the stats on this. So the winner of game two wins the series 71.8% of the time. The winner of game one wins it sixty percent of the time. Teams that win both the first two games win the series 87.2% of oh, the time. Wow. I, it's going to come up, so I, I, I definitely look that one up. Nice. Um, I The way that Bruins' defense is playing, I'm not as scared. I agree with Rob. I do think the Leafs will take it in Game One in Toronto, um, but if they do, it's it's either going to be an overtime or it's like a one-goal game. Because the goals they've scored on Tuca have been good goals. I I say besides maybe maybe the JVR, I, I I look at it. and I'm like, should the Tuca have had it? But all the other ones are all two-on-ones. If you if you think about it, the goals that are being scored on Tuca right now, they're all two-on-ones where. You know, we pinch, we get caught, and there's not much else.
2: Yeah, you catch them moving
1: side to side. Yeah, and they're and they're coming across, but you know, other than that, the, the Leafs just haven't been playing like the team that I, you know, I end up watching a lot of Leafs hockey, a lot, because um, it's on TV a lot. So it's just the team I'm watching. I'm like, Poof. Bruins are just dominating, and as long as as Rob said, if they keep this train going. They're just gonna walk
2: over teams right now. And I, I'll i go. I gotta go back. I'm sorry, Mike. I, I go ahead. Why don't you say what you have to say, and then I'll go.
4: No, you can go. Go right ahead.
2: All right. I said earlier. Um. I I, I wish I can give credit to the tweet that I saw. Uh, it might have been Merrick and and, and Elliot, but they said in one of the podcasts, I believe, that they said that if if the Martian Bergeron and Pasternak line can get 25 minutes of play in the playoffs they're gonna just roll over a lot of teams just and I know it's a team effort but just that line how strong it is well I did a little research on this uh on my end and right now after two games they're averaging 17 minutes per ice I mean per per player so they're getting it done with less time of, of expectations before the playoffs started. Obviously, those numbers are going to uh, fluctuate with, with the way that Toronto just seems to bend over and take it. But, um, you know, that lineup is just, it sets the tone for the whole team. Uh, and it's just, those guys are fun to watch. These guys are actually making passes that I would say, don't do that. But they're, getting it ha- they're making it happen. Marshan's passing it into a crowd, and Bergeron's there, uh, scooping it up, or passing the next right there for the one-timer on the left circle. I mean, it's exciting to watch, and I hope it continues.
4: Yeah. You, you guys that um, have, got, have established such good chemistry with each other, they can make something out of nothing. And especially Marchand, um talking about making something out of nothing, I see Martian so many times rush into the zone. He'll take um, the lead charge and take him by himself to set up um, set up pressure in the offensive zone. And he'll go into like four players, and then like he'll make a couple moves, and then just somehow get out of it with the puck dumped in, or he'll move it to Bergeron or something. It's the possession game with these guys is like elementary. It doesn't even look like it phases them. They're just so. Calm and collected and composed. Um, a little bit of alliteration there with the puck, and it's no, it's almost not fair to have to play against that. It's like you're watching a line with three Sydney Crosbys on the line when it comes to puck possession skills. Like it's it's almost impossible to knock these guys off the puck in the offensive zone. Uh, yeah, well,
3: um the the main thing. With this series, is like I said before, shut down line one, shut down line two, and just keep your eye on JVR. And then you just got to hope that um, one of their goaltenders doesn't get hot because both of them have had a few hot streaks through the season. And we all know how Frederick Anderson can be against the Bruins, even when he was with the the Ducks. So that's. That's the scary thing, I think. But we have the same thing. We could stick Anton Hood in if we need to. So
1: Oh well <laughs> I'm sorry, if he has to go in that our playoffs chances are gone.
3: I don't mean I don't mean like in an injury case, I mean if Tuka lets in a couple of quick goals and looks like it needs a change, he can step in. So you're always thinking the worst court. No, actually, I'm
1: always thinking the positives. Just, <laughs> if, I've got a, if I'm have got if i thinking about this team winning a Stanley Cup, and I've got to... Okay, in your scenario, sure. But if we're starting...
4: Oh, no, I don't
1: know. No. Like we talked about it before, actually, while you were off. His last 10 games were atrocious. Yeah. but
3: it, It's just one of those things. Like, um, I just... I find it funny that this year we have guys that can fit in all over the team. And last year we were struggling in every position mm-hmm. to fit people in. So uh, I'm just hoping it stays that way. I'm hoping Toronto don't turn into a bunch of goons and start trying to take in the team out, especially if they go three games down. Cool. Um, so.
1: Yeah, that's what the fan base, if you read what I read online, oh my God.
3: Oh He's yeah, I, I've seen some horrible things. I saw one about taking a certain bus route. Oh know, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah that was that was disgusting that was thing I've seen.
2: That was pathetic, and yeah.
3: Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, they just need to keep playing the way they're playing. And Seriously, don't yeah. Get, don't get too like caught up in the fact that you're two games up.
1: Yep. The last, yeah. the last time I've seen them play like this was that series against the Pittsburgh Penguins when they just owned them. Swept them. Yeah, Yeah, just owned them.
3: That was 2013,
4: wasn't it? Yeah. One of my friends mentioned that last night. I was watching it with a couple of my buddies, and he's like, this is just like the Pittsburgh series. When they swept Pittsburgh in 2013, it's it's phenomenal.
3: Yeah. And like we were saying before, that 20 points between the three first line forwards, like, what are the teams Two putting games. up them kind of numbers? Yeah. 20 points. That like, just... some lines don't get 20 points when they're in the finals. Like, by the time they got to the finals, some lines don't have 20 points. It's just ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, what, like, what...
3: What's that? What Can someone work out what their, uh, like, points will be if they keep playing this way by the end of the uh, playoffs? because that that'll be stupid.
1: Someone <laughs> joked on Twitter that uh, Pasta would set the record for most points in a playoff series. A playoff, sorry. It... Yeah,
3: if he just stays on course. Yeah, it'd be like 100.
1: It'd be, it'd be 100. Something like 100 <laughs> and something. Wow. Can you
3: imagine that? More points in the regular season. Jesus.
4: It's not
1: going to happen.
3: Come on, people. I know it's not going to happen. Well, you never know.
4: Yeah, it's fair on... enough. It's something about guys named David for the Bruins in the playoffs. You look back to David Krejci's past in the playoffs, I don't know what it is. If you're Czech and your name's David and you're on the Bruins, you've got a chance to do something special in the playoffs, I guess.
3: Just start, like, drafting everyone named David. (laughs) All free agency signings. Let's just do that.
4: (laughs) We'll be in, like, the 2026 season, and we'll have, like, nine Davids from the Czech Republic on our team. Yeah.
3: And the guys will start changing the name to
4: David. (laughs) (laughs) All the Czech parents out there will start
2: naming their kids David. (laughs) Put a hockey at a young age.
1: Just put a Bruins jersey on them.
2: Yeah, for sure. Hey, I got a question. Uh, Somebody tweeted to me this, and and I'm kind of, I'm kind of puzzled by it myself. But uh, uh, faithful listener Raquel uh, said that Cindy needs our help at Charachick33. I already looked it up. Yeah. it, uh, let me just let me say it. In hockey, do scoring chances include shots on goal or are shots on goal counted separately? So what was the answer, Court? So scoring
1: chances can include a shot that does not hit the net and misses the net, so they do not count the same because a shot on goal has to be on goal. A scoring chance could hit the post, which doesn't count as a shot, or miss the net because it is a scoring chance. So Staples use the home plate area as virtually everyone does, and counts hard shots on the net that hit the post as grade A scoring chances. Block shots are generally not included, by it, but missed shots are. So a shot on net, if it misses the net, doesn't count as a shot, but it could still count as a scoring chance. Like Rick Nash on the breakaway and missed the net, that's a scoring chance, but it's not a shot on goal. That's interesting. I didn't even know anything about that. Neither did I. And then I saw the tw- it came up on my phone, and I was like, I'm going to look that up. I don't know the answer.
2: Yeah, great, great question, uh, Charachick33, uh, Cindy. That's her name, but thank you. Um, I think that's going to do it. That, that's been an hour. Uh, we have to thank uh, blackandgoldhockey.com writer and uh, uh, co-host of the Sportspot radio program at Merrimack College, Mike Craddy. Please check out his program from 12 to 1 p.m. on Mondays. Mike, thank you very much for the time. I really appreciate it.
4: No problem. Um, love being here and uh, looking forward to doing more of this in the future.
2: Nice. Uh, and obviously, I have to thank my, my two co-hosts that are there every week, and, and we've had, we have had a great season together. Um, a lot of good numbers coming out this year, and and hopefully we can continue doing this uh, for a long playoff run into uh, hopefully – Hoisting Lord Stanley's Cup, but I, I'm 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 a very optimistic person, so I'm a I'm a one series type of guy. So one at a time, and then we'll we'll see what we go for. But you if guys, they make
1: the finals, I will be in Boston.
2: Oh, you gotta Dear get one. me a you gotta get me a hookup. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I'll, t- I'll, I'll talk to my cousin. He you better know, help us. Out. You know what? You know what I'll do is I'll take the Rob Tomlin vacation fund. And then just, I'll, I'll cancel that out, and I'll take the money, and then we can talk about um, possibly getting me into the garden. No oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm hearing you're, you're planning another vacay soon?
3: Well, yeah, I've got to. I didn't go away for like 27 years. I'm making the most of it now. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love it. It might have been five holidays in like eight months, but I'm planning the sixth.
2: Oh, that's awesome alright guys thank you very much for listening please check out our uh, the show sponsor uh, Weekend Warriors Adult Hockey Academy find them on Twitter at Hockey, and uh, you can call them and talk to uh, one of the five uh, coaches at 814-673-2000 and they'll be in the area they, they go all over the, the United States and um, it's a great hockey camp so check it out and uh, we will talk to you guys all next week go Bruins Passion, talent,
4: development. NCAA
1: hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukstead. Back
4: Wow, what a goal!
1: David Backus, Score! and Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey.
2: Champions of the College Hockey World! Gets under the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stanika, short handed breakaway scores. Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece and it's a 1 nothing Oshawa lead. Now McCloud mishandles and Donato tries to make a pay. Here's Donato. In deep, Ryan Donato pearls and scores! A highlight reel goal for Ryan Donato. Goes to his left in
4: front and that's Trent Frederick. Time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up eight to two. Ship it up to, Ship it up to
2: Hey, Bruins fans! Uh, as mentioned earlier, we, we are back um, with Josh B. He um, find him at Twitter at Two Causeway, and he also writes for uh, his website, uh, which is shipping up to causeway.com. Uh, Josh, welcome back. I'm glad you can join us for uh, another exciting week of Prospect Talk uh, brought welcome to you by Weekend Warriors.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Mark, looking forward to it. Uh, not as much to talk about this week, so we'll probably include a little bit of uh, big club talk, but hey, take the show, man. It's all yours.
2: Yeah, I w- well, I wanted to... We, we we touched on a
0: lot of stuff
2: in, uh, in the first hour, but I wanted to get as a diehard Bruins fan and a prospect guru yourself, I wanted to get your your insight on, on what you've seen from the uh, game one and two uh, from this Bruins uh, Maple Leaf series because, honestly, I I, I, I kind of had a feeling. I said Bruins in seven. Let's just let's get that clear right now, and and I've said it in the past. But I kind of thought that Toronto would show up a little more.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like the – if you take the kids who are in Boston right now versus the same counterparts, say, for the Leafs, it seems like the Boston kids are more well-coached, a little bit more mentally ready to go because um, I believe it was last night. We're talking uh, – this is a game two that I'm re- referencing. But uh, Dale Arnold uh, – I was talking to you about this before. Dale Arnold kind of pointed out a moment where both – Patrick Marlowe from the Leafs and Austin Matthews in the same sequence both gave up on Pasternak's third goal of the night and you can see that there's kind of a I don't take the, what I say with a grain of salt but kind of a mental fragility that once things start to go south it just continues to go south for the Leafs whereas with the Bruins they don't get rattled by something they can they if they've let in a goal, okay, that's fine. Let's get it right back. If they're under pressure, okay, that's fine. Just weather the storm, lock it down defensively, and counterattack when necessary and when able to. But, yeah, the lead, uh, I, I just, I'm I'm very happy with the quality of our prospects that have come up through the system and that are doing great things in this playoff series because it's definitely making the difference. It's this young, new group of talent that's coming in for the Bruins, That seems to be making that difference. Like, I mean, Pasternak is 21 years old, signed until 2022-23, I believe, for $6.66 million. And you just, you're amazed at that. Because that's, it's a cap-friendly deal with a guy who's producing at such an extremely high level. I believe the stat last night was that no um, Bruins player has had a six-point night in the playoffs since Phil Esposito and I mean that's pretty good company to keep so yeah,
2: and Rick Middleton I believe
0: right yes exactly yeah I knew there was another name but I for whatever reason Esposito was the one that stuck out in my head so um, I I agree with Cassidy where he sat out Ryan Donato for game one you kind of saw it last night that second goal was definitely on Donato and McQuaid more than it was anything else not to say that McQuaid had a bad game but I think Ryan had a short leash last night. So there are definitely growing pains for all of these kids. I know I've kind of noticed Heinen has gone a bit quiet, but, you know, Jake DeBrusk, David not getting their real first kind of deep playoff experience because this team's going to go far. Like you said, kind of mark my words, this team's going to go far. And I know that uh, not got some last year, but this year they they have the depth and the talent to go for a deep playoff run. So that's why I'm saying what I did, and I think that's going to make the difference. Is a bunch of kids who have, of uh, who are there, who are coached well with a coach who knows how to press the right buttons with them. I know Babcock's a great coach. Don't I'm I'm actually a fan of Babcock. I've kind of seen what he does did rather in uh, Detroit and now with the leafs so this isn't to discredit babcock i think just the way that the bruins kids have been brought up in the way that they have been brought up is what's making the difference here there's just a more of a mental toughness and of kind of a poise to their game that you don't quite see with the leafs and i'm i'm not exactly a sports psychologist so i can't diagnose what that is but You know, you give them the eye test, and you just see that the Boston kids are coached mentally better than the Leafs have been. We're going to see how that's going to change when the Leafs go into their own building, the Air Canada Center, on Monday. So that might change the tenor of what I'm saying. But from what I've seen, the Bruins seem to have just a real expert. Mental toughness to them, and I'm I'm really loving it. I love this series. I mean, there's been some emotional highs and lows with it. Kind of watching the games, you have a, you know, you're you're kind of white knuckled watching it at times, especially when the Leafs hem us in our own zone. But to the Bruins' credit, they haven't made any horrid, bad, awful mistakes that have changed the outcome of a game. In fact, they've used mistakes to kind of fuel them to do better in the coming sequences.
2: Yeah, and, and, and to touch on what you said about Meg Babcock, and when the camera I'm not in the house, so I'm, I'm watching from home but uh, when the camera goes on that Toronto bench, uh, it almost like he's stunned. To the point that he realizes that this Bruins team, coached by a, a masterful job of all season, dating back to last spring, when uh, Bruce Cassidy took over for Claude Julien um, that his team is exposed, and the, the Bruins are finding ways to continue to let's just say aggravate that wound, and 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 it look it looks like he just doesn't have an answer for it. And when you when you look at the players like Patrick Marlowe and 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 Austin Matthews, which is a he's a phenomenal talent regardless of his if he's disappeared from these first two games of this best of seven series, you know this is something that. Bruce Cassidy uh, instills in these brains of these young players and veterans. And, and, and it's awesome to see that all of them as a group have accepted this message and, and go out there and produce. Um, I don't remember seeing this much love for each other and support from the from the team to the coaching staff to management to ownership um, in a while. I mean, as it goes back to 0-11 when they brought that Stanley Cup home after 39 Absolutely. years. And and I'm not going to go out on the limb here, Josh, and, and and say that this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not that kind of fan. I'm very optimistic. I'm a see. I'm a series by series kind of guy. You get exactly. past, you get past this first round against the Maple Leafs. You know, let's see what you got in the tank for the next series because it's just going to get tougher from here.
0: Bingo. Yeah. Exactly. And um to touch on oh now what was i gonna say i kind of lost my train of thought there um <laughs> there was something I i was gonna say about what you had said oh the veterans you know i think if you look at toronto's in almost entire club i don't think that there's one guy there and i'm that's what i'm saying i don't think there probably is one or two but if you count the number of guys on the boston squad who have won a stanley cup versus the guys on Toronto who have won a Stanley Cup. You have more people on Boston who knows what it takes than are on Toronto. So they can impart that wisdom, that sense of having been there than the veterans on Toronto can. So you have that kind of, fortunately, that core on Boston who was, like you said, with the 2011 team and who know what it takes and who know, and knows what kind of wisdom was imparted to them when they were starting to really come into their own during that series and that they can pass on to the next generation who's coming up through the ranks right now. Also quick shout out to Rick Nash. I love that, you know, people were saying, Oh, he's going to disappear in the playoffs. I have seen so much excellent play out of Rick Nash and he looks like he is thrilled to be here. I love that about him. He's He's like a happy man child, just going out there and doing his job, having fun. And that's what I was hoping would happen when we when we picked him up at the trade deadline. You know, I was a little bit worried when we picked him up. But I said, I'm going to let myself be pleasantly surprised and not just in, in, in immediately think that this is a bad thing. So shout out to Rick Nash if he's ever listening to this. You are fantastic, my man. You are absolutely fantastic and a pleasure to watch
2: yeah um uh, a, a big body I, I like the way that the, he he works so hard to get to the net and 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 successful and those silky smooth hands that he he possesses at the top of the crease um like in a phone booth uh, uh catching a rebound catching a tip I mean he's uh I mean having a player like him and a veteran, both veteran players like him and Bacchus that can gravitate to the top of that crease and just create havoc. uh, are Two great assets for this Bruins team that have built their, their, you know, their franchise on, on being that team that is tough and hard nosed and, and, and in a league that's in today's game, that it's so hard to get to the crease because of these big players and, and big defensemen that, don't make it easy, it's great to see. And, and I love the way the message is being perceived. And and I, I just hope that it continues. I mean, nothing wrong with, you know, freshening the, the message that's um, that's coming down from above and, and, and being accepted by a, a great group of players that have bought into everything that's going on in this franchise right now. And, and it's just very positive for the next couple of years because as you touched on a little earlier, the youth, the installation of this youth this season has brought me to a whole new level as a prospect guy. I'm sure that you're the same thing, because you've seen these guys in the lower levels of minor league hockey and building their way of knocking on uh, on long NHL careers. So this is just great in all aspects of this organization.
0: To, bear, to uh, borrow a uh, cliche, this is the tip of the iceberg, because as we've talked about in the shows prior, We've got so much talent coming in the pipeline. I mean, we're going to touch on the AHL soon enough, but uh, in the in the program. But when I look at the kids who are even at the AHL level, who are ready and knocking at the uh, at the NHL level, it's almost scary good how deep we are in terms of just what we have coming. It like people who are excited about the Jake DeBrusks and the Danton Heinen's. Get ready because you've got Captain Jack Stadnica, you've got JFK, you've got Chalarek, you've got Trent Frederick, you've got Cam Hughes, you've got a lot of those guys who are energy, fun, exciting guys to watch, and they're coming, and they're coming soon.
2: Yeah, and uh, speaking of that, uh, nice little segue there, Josh. Um, How about we just get right into uh, some prospect talk? It was a pretty exciting week. Um, uh, uh, some highs and some lows for, um, for three games. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Yeah. Take it away, Mark. Uh, let's go starting, uh, on Sunday, April 8th. Um, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Yeah. I I heard that little disappointment, my friend, (laughs) the the Lehigh Valley Phantoms came to the dunk, um, in Providence and, and just, um, Pretty much handed a, a severe beatdown. expected from, I'm not crapping on the Providence Bruins, but uh, they really didn't show up to play against the, the, the uh, better team in the Eastern Conference uh, or the uh, Atlantic Division at most. But uh, some positives out of the game. Uh, Trent Frederick scores his fourth in the first period from Hargrove and Zaboro on the power play at 15 minutes. Uh, no scoring in the second period from the Baby Bees. Uh, the third period, uh, Zach Senishin scores his 10th from Porter at 834. And Providence uh, defenseman Jacos Borough gets his 4th from Jack Sudnika and Connor Clifton at 1338. And that was it for the uh, the Bruins uh, goal scores. Shots on goal, uh, Providence had 35 and Lehigh Valley 38. Uh, Providence was 1-for-5 on the power play. And... Um, Zane McIntyre takes a loss, stopping 32 of 37 shots. Um. Not, not a great game at all. I was kind of I, I watched the game, of course, as we were doing our our, our weekly black and gold hockey podcast uh, first hour, and it was just a real lackluster of um, uh, effort, in my opinion. I just didn't see a lot of positives except for the goal scorers and and who they came from and who helped out it, you know that could all be said as good but um it, games like this worry me in the playoffs and especially um where these two teams Lehigh and Providence match up in the in the future um whether it be in the first round or second round it's going to be tough
0: ah oh, man that was a really bad game to be at not going to lie uh, i was sitting in my usual season ticket holder seats, and boy, I just was like, I want to leave, but I got to do my due diligence and watch the whole thing and kind of pick out some things to talk about. And I think the main, one of the main problems that day was the defense really just did not show up. They were letting guys through here and there, everywhere. They did not clear the puck away from the uh, crease for McIntyre. A lot of those goals were scored off the rebound, uh, it just seemed like Lehigh was allowed to walk all over Providence and there was really not much of a pushback though. There was a, there was a fight. I gotta say, uh, I think it was Trent Frederick who I couldn't believe he dropped the gloves, man. Oh, I know. He's more of a skill guy than he is uh, a fighter, but kudos to that guy. He's not just a, uh, you know, one trick pony. He's like, uh, he's kind of, he's got a lot of depth into his, uh, bucket of skills. So it was good to see him drop the gloves, but I feel like it was a little bit, too little too late they had that nice surge which was good that they weren't just gonna skate away with a real terrible terrible loss but you're right you're gonna if if you're gonna see these guys in the playoffs and it might be a lot sooner than the p bruins hope because unless they win today and charlotte loses they're gonna get they're gonna pull lehigh in the first round um it's it's going to be a very short postseason for these guys if you have to match up with them in the first round because I don't know as if Providence has an adequate answer for Lehigh Valley right now. There were two games where Providence just dummied them, absolutely just kind of gave them a wedgie and sent them on their way. <laughs> and then it went right back to, oh, this team's better than us. All right, yep, yeah, let's give up. Let's kind of let's check out mentally. So, I Leach needs to coach these guys up for Lehigh Valley. It's going to be a very rough series when you get when you meet them in the playoffs. And I hope that the stars align today and that we end up going back into third place and we can not see them till pretty much the second round. So yeah, that game it was kind of a it was kind of a microcosm of. How the se- season series has gone with Lehigh Valley, and it's it's not pretty.
2: Yeah, um, let's uh, jump from that terrible game uh, and go to another one. Um, <laughs> Hell, that's a less
0: terrible game.
2: I know. I it, it mean, this was this one had a little more passion involved, in my opinion, but the the result wasn't there. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, baby bees uh, streak is right now. I mean, I believe it's at two at this point. Right now, uh, but the Charlotte Checkers came to the dunk on Friday, April thirteenth, um, and uh, pretty much walked out with uh, two two huge points. And uh, exactly, and it all got started uh, in the first period uh, when you're talking about Bruins goals. Uh, Austin Zarnick scored his twenty fourth from crossing Agazino on the power play at thirteen fifty four. Uh, he's have he continues to have a cr- a career year, and you know. Zarnik is really making a push for this Bruins management to heavily consider him as a, um as a re-sign, but the it, the the way his play and what's going on in the NHL br- with the NHL Bruins and and their locked-up roster spots and 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 who's going to depart and so on. He may not have a fit. Nope. So. Yeah, I'm-
0: I think we've said this before in a kind of a previous episode that he's going to make the NHL, but he's not going to make the NHL with the Bruins, I don't think.
2: Yeah, that's unfortunate, you know, because he's a good player, good kid. Good soldier, uh, yeah. He's yeah. A,
0: he's, a, he's, a, he's such a nice guy off the ice. He says all the right things. He does all the right things, I believe. I definitely. He's the first guy out there for uh, warm-ups. He's the first guy at practice. He's the last guy to leave practice. Just a, a good class act. Kind of the real a real hockey player hockey player.
2: Yeah, and I and I've always considered him as a as a depth player in the organ Bruins organization. But what what I mean is he's got a huge tool bag full of of attributes that he can pull from. I mean he's got mm-hmm. such great skill. He's good stick handling. He's got speed for a little guy. You know he, you know he does he does play a good game in the NHL. But it's not all quite there. But the AHL. Uh, I test from my particular opinion is is something uh, a pleasure to watch because he works so well with uh, with uh, up and down that bench. So, and yeah, he, and, it me. Yeah, and he's and he and he's and he is a leader on that guy as an older player. I believe he's twenty five or twenty six now. So, um, we'll see what happens. But uh, jump into the second period in this game. Uh, another player that's really surprised me is uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Uh, scores his twentieth from Swartz and, and Zarnick. Uh, 36 seconds into the second period, which was uh, good and, and a motivational um, goal right there that I thought that was the Bruins are going to feed off of, but unfortunately that was the only uh, goal of that period. Jump into the third period, Zach Sennishin scores his 11th at 7:20 from Anton Bleed and Chris Breen, and that ended the night of, uh, in Bruins goals. Um, shots on goal had Providence 32 and and uh, Charlotte 28 and the power play was one for five for the Bruins, while Charlotte had uh, their special teams at uh, two for five.
0: Yeah, uh, that was not a good night for um Bruins special teams. Fortunately, last night, not Friday night, they rebounded in a good way, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, the overall, the effort in against Charlotte was... It wasn't quite there. It was better than it was against Lehigh Valley, but another game where they could have taken kind of, they could have taken control of that game, but they they just left a lot to be desired. Because I know that Charlotte, if you looked at the way that they were playing, they, the, the, the Charlotte's uh, line with, uh, what's his last name, Roy, was insane. They kind of hounded the net, and they planted themselves around Providence net, and that's how they were scoring goals against Providence. But, it seemed like Charlotte also had kind of this defensive lapse, almost like the Leafs have, are are having right now. And they could have taken advantage of that and at least made a game out of it. But it just seemed like they, they, got, they got walked all over again, but fortunately Saturday night was a lot better than Friday night was, but uh, yeah, take that away.
2: Yeah. Um, just to go back on, onto this game, uh, uh, Jordan Binnington got the start, making 23 saves on 28 shots. Um, yeah, and uh, l- listen, if anything positive happened this week, it was definitely last night, as as you mentioned. Um, and th- the good thing about this regular season is it comes to an end t- today, uh, mm-hmm. and against the, the team that they just pounced on. Last night, and they did it um, uh, later in the period, but set the tone for a great night. Um, it, uh, the, the Providence Bruins at the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield, Mass, walked away on Saturday night, which is last night, with a five nothing victory um, in the first period. Uh, Jack Stenica, captain Jack, gets his first goal of the of his professional career uh, from Agostino and Cross on the power play at 8:53. Uh, the second goal of the first period came from our friend Jakob Vorsparker-Carlson. He scores his 14th from Adam Perel at thirteen thirty-two on the short-handed.
0: A short-handed goal. Shorty! Yeah, that, was, that was amazing to watch. But uh, we'll get to, we'll kind of break this down in a minute. Keep going with your scores. Uh,
2: in the second period, uh, Adam Perel scores his 9th uh, from Jakob Sporl and um, Zach Sineshen at the 2.56 mark of the period on the power play. And Providence, Jakob Forsbacher Carlson again scores his fifteenth from Agostino and Clifford at 6:34. In the third period, Kenny Agostino scores his sixteenth um, from Barker Carlson at the 10:03 mark of the third period. Uh, Providence led in shots. Uh, I'm sorry, they did not lead in shots. Uh, they got outshot, 29 to 24. They were two for seven on the power play. And McIntyre walks away with a shout out, making twenty-four of twenty-four saves. Um, what I this is this is a good predicament to have is having a team like and I'm not crapping on on pit on, on, on Springfield at all. <laughs> we we the Bruins play them way too much. They should really know this team and they should definitely come out today and do the same thing as they did last night if they have any energy from playing three straight games. Uh, this weekend, so um, you know, even though the Providence Bruins have the Call of the Cup playoffs clinched, this is still a game that you have to come out and win. Uh, Like, I believe you said that if they do win, they will avoid
0: Lehigh, did you mention that? Right, so here's the situation that was explained to me by Mark Diver.
2: Oh, by the Uh, way, please, please follow Mr. Mark Diver. He, He is amazing. If you're not following Josh B., my boy here, if you're not following Bruins Network, if you're not following me, if you're not following Mark Diver, you should really do it for all your Providence Bruins needs. We 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 all try to get you the best um, information out there for those that want it. So give us Absolutely. all the follow.
0: Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was talking to Mark Diver yesterday and he told me that. So Providence needs to win yesterday, which they did today, which hopefully they will. And Charlotte needs to lose today against Bridgeport. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the season series between Bridgeport and Charlotte is, even if not, maybe Bridgeport has a slight leg up on them. So, there's a chance, but unfortunately, the Bruins, these Bruins, P-Bruins, are in the same predicament that the Boston Bruins were last year, where they didn't quite control their own destiny, where they had a chance to have a higher seating but did not based on some uh, unfortunate points that were left on the table over the past couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, and and when you were talking about the, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers playing the Charlotte Jackets today, Bridgeport is a good team. I mean, they have some really good players. I mean, Josh Hosang is – I'm sorry. No. Yeah, he, yeah Hosang yeah, plays – play- Ho-Sang plays for the – yeah, I talked to him. Who he am I thinking of? I, I just had the Pittsburgh Penguins prospect in my head, and I can't remember who it was. Um, never mind. But uh, they got players like ho and so on, So and but they're out of the playoffs. so They're going to play uh, like a spoiler role against the Charlotte Checkers today who have clinched a playoff spot. So that, that is uh, very important for – I guess we're going to say we're going to be Bridgeport Sound tigers fans fans just for today <laughs> does that sound I good mean,
0: uh, yeah exactly uh, uh i i met their coach when i was in bridgeport and seemed like a pretty good guy i can cheer for him today <laughs> yeah, there you go gonna have to like get the mouthwash out to get the bad taste out of my mouth but yay <laughs> go bridgeport so let's go tigers <laughs> clap, clap clap clap
2: anyways um wow. so even though we have one more game in the 76-game season, uh, the Providence Bruins are 44-26-3-2 with 93 points. They have a 6-20 winning percentage. Uh, they're currently on a one-game winning streak, and they're 5-5-0 five, five and oh in the last 10. So, uh, Best of luck to this team today against um, the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds uh, at the dunk. Um, hopefully, there's a jam-packed um, crowd today to, uh, to root them on and 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 get ready for a Calder Cup uh, playoff run that uh, this team got to the Eastern Conference uh, finals last season and um, hopefully they have the the coaching abilities of Jay Leach and the uh, supporting staff of that bench uh to to make it a better series than they did last season last year against uh the Syracuse Crunch and uh get back to the Calder Cup finals that they they have not been to since I believe winning the whole thing, like I mentioned last week in 1998-99. So I could be wrong on the stats. I don't have my notes out in front of me. So you can at me uh, Black and, and Gold two seven seven. <laughs> you can yell at Josh too. He's at two Causeway. <laughs> but um,
0: <laughs> but let's get back to talking about last night because let's. I mean, we've been kind of negative the past two games. So at least let's let's give the P Bruins the credit where it's due because. First of all, for after having bad nights on special teams, the um, it, w- it was amazing to see their power play click as well as it did. I mean, did you even see that shot where Studnicka tipped that? He just skated right into the slot. Springfield had no idea what he was doing. He just kind of drifted in there, turned his wrists over, turned the blade of the stick, and the shot pass was redirected. And it if, if you've ever watched AHL Live and you're very familiar with this, Mark, you usually can't see the puck too well. It's usually kind of blurry just because of the potato quality of the video feed. So when you can actually see a tipped puck going towards the net, you'd think that the goalie would be able to see that. But Sam Montembeau, who plays goal for the Springfield Falcons, got up after that goal and he was looking around. I don't know whether he was looking at his defenseman or whether he was bewildered at where that shot came from, but it didn't look like he knew where he even was.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and it kind of reminded me—it's a very different situation. But last night's uh, Bruins-Toronto game too, when um, uh, David Pasternak literally just like the pants came off of Frederick Anderson. And oh, it, yeah. <laughs> there was nobody in front. There was nobody in front. Like like the defense and the supporting forwards that were, were trying to come back were just like a deer in headlights. Yeah. This, yeah is, exactly. this is exactly kind of, not the same, like I said, but almost almost the same as last night's game when Sudnika got that goal.
0: Definitely shades of that game. Very good analogy. Very Thank good you. Reference. Hey, yeah, I, I, I can
2: drop a little that. bit once in a while yeah. for the old guy
0: that doesn't have really good eyesight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good job, Mark. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <loud. fun. laughs> all right, so, but next goal was even better because, not better, but just it was good to see because JFK has been out with a concussion for a while, so yeah, yeah. to hit for him to get back in the lineup is good, but for it, him to get back in the lineup and immediately start contributing is even better, and I'm glad that they're playing Springfield because JFK can almost score at will against that team. I don't know what it is, but almost all of his goals, and points for that matter, have come against Springfield. So I'm glad that they play Springfield a lot because he seems to light them up.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's it's great that a player of his uh he he's definitely in the mix of of the youth and what this pro organization is doing. But it's it's good to see as a two-way forward and, and and a lot of people talk about comparing him to Patrice Bergeron, but even though the, the, you know, You play in the NHL, you play division games like four times, four or six times, whatever it is, but it's still good to know that you can still find weaknesses when you play a team 12 times a season and and still be effective. So uh, JFK's skill set and his vision have just been uh, a great thing to see him as he grows into a a full-time professional in the National Hockey League, but it all starts in the AHL, and He's honing that game, and and like you said, it was so huge to get him back in that lineup after he got his bell rung, and I'm sorry, but I don't have notes on this either,
0: but did he miss 13 games, or was it more? Something like that, yeah, it was
3: okay. at least...
2: I, I got 18 mm-hmm. and 13, maybe it's because of my dyslexia that the 3 I and the to... 8 look alike.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't blame you. Uh, I believe it was 13 games. I think it's basically three weekends thereabouts worth of games, and one weekend had four games. So, yeah, it's pro- yeah that's, a, that's a pretty good number, I'd say. But it's and, just so good to have
2: him back in that lineup and, uh, and, 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 and a valued asset up the middle. Um, and then
0: on top of that, it was a shorthanded goal. It wasn't just a, a five-on-five goal. He and Adam Payne, I, I don't remember who, I think it was either him or the defense but uh, it was either Tommy Cross, Connor Clifton, or Adam Payarel. They were out by the point, and Springfield's Jace Howerluck misplayed the puck. One of the Providence guys, I believe it was, um, I believe it was one of the defense, knocked the puck off the point, creating a two-on-one between Adam Payarel and JFK. Skated up the ice, and Adam Payroll really did do a a great job setting that entire play up because he was the one who skated up and made that pass that beat the uh, Springfield defender who had skated back and put it right on JFK's stick who just redirected it right past the goalie. So that whole sequence was refreshing to see after the past two nights that we had kind of watched games of the, the P. Bruins.
2: And another thing that's important to know about last night's game is uh, Jay Leach, head coach of the first-year head coach of the Providence Bruins, sat the top line of uh, Jordan Swartz, uh Austin Zarnick, and um, why am I missing this? Oh,
0: Where's Zarnick and Frederick? I want to say <laughs> no. Frederick played. I, oh yeah, you're right. He was on a line with. Um... I believe it was cave and somebody else but
2: <laughs> wait a minute i'm going to look it up because i, I can't <laughs> i can't i'm looking up mark deva and
0: all right yeah you t- you do that i'm going to talk about uh let's see which which goal do i want to talk about next credit to Zach senison as well because i just i didn't just notice but it's good to see he got an assist on the third goal so that means that he's had points in all 3 of the past games So there was a goal against Lehigh Valley, a goal against Charlotte, and then uh, an assist last night against Springfield. So it's good to see him on a little bit of a point streak. I mean, people don't realize that right now he's in a bottom six role, not because of anything wrong that he's done, but he's there to learn about what it means to be a player up and down the lineup. So absolutely to people to people who think that oh he's in a bottom six role right now he's only there because he's, he's a draft help. bust oh yeah he's a draft bust. no he's not <laughs> get yeah. out yourselves right. i mean he's he's learning how to be a well-rounded player and another problem that we have which is a great problem to have up in boston we just don't have the room for him right now it yeah. goes david posternach uh, general, right now, Rick Nash, where it was Ryan Spooner before, David Backus, and any combination of the fourth line that's been an absolute gem for us. There's just no room for Senishin right now. And that's okay. It's A, cost effective to have him down there for a while, not eating up – not performing i hate to say it but performing at the nhl level to where he's going to command a bigger contract so you can kind of cost control him for a little while and he's just going to keep developing he's a smart kid with a great skill set who's going to do fine at the nhl level mark my words i'm going to go on record and say that (laughs) it's just not his time right now and that's okay that's yeah. okay, guys. Relax. But anyway,s
2: you did you uh, did you pull up your stats yet? I did. Mark Diva uh, mentioned last night before the game that Zarnick, Schwartz, and Fitzgerald had the night off, so they got a five nothing shutout without the support of uh, the, the, by far some of the top players in that lineup. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I
0: believe Schwartz and Zarnick are like one and two on the Bruins um, goal leaders actually.
2: Actually, I'm looking up in points, and Austin Zarnik is running away with it with 68 points. And Agostino has 53, and Jordan Swartz has 47. But when you come down to the points, yes, Jordan Swartz is in second place with 21 goals. And Austin has 24, and Ryan Fitzgerald, the other 20-goal scorer. Um, But I wanted to to touch on, before we get to the Atlanta Gladiators and, and talk about that, uh is Zach Senish and and from what I've seen in his past w- couple of weeks is him really the ability to stretch his legs and let oh, me yeah. let me let me just explain to the to the listeners that might not understand what I'm saying is this kid is tall he's he's a very lanky kind of player but he's he's full of skill and there's no doubt that he's going to be in the NHL but it might not be for a year or two and just relax. I mean, there's no draft bus here. It's 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 a work in progress. Be happy about that. These are good problems to have. Just because he's not just because he's drafted in 2015 and he hasn't played an NHL game here doesn't mean the world's going to end on a prospect like this. So, um, but what I mean by stretching his legs is he's he just seems like he's more comfortable and it, and I know it sucks because it took almost a whole year to get like that way. But I think he's getting more um, comfortable with the role that he's at as a bottom six forward, like you said. But the way he moves, his stride, his ability, and his silky smooth hands, I've seen him skate so much better in the past two weeks. And the way he cuts through and makes defenses look like absolute crap. And to get a shot on goal, or even better, fake the goalie out while you're being mauled by two defensemen from behind and still get that awesome goal. Uh it is great to see. And and I don't care where this kid plays. I do want to see him in the NHL absolutely, but as a person that and like yourself, we both watch these games no matter where they're
0: going. It's good to have this problem and I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean to go, to uh, add to your point, I remember in that game against Lehigh Valley where Senishin darted up the wall, cut in on the goalie, faked the goalie out, got him to sprawl out on his stomach and then just roof the puck as if you know it was the easiest thing in the world. He made it look like you and I could do what he just did, even though it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. so another another quick thing if you don't mind about sure. Senishin is if you look at his, his his stats
2: in the Ontario Hockey League, he was the guy when he when he went to the top six role in his in his first last two seasons with the uh, Sue Greyhounds. He was the guy that players were looking for. Yep,
0: exactly. And, and, they were and, feeding him the puck
2: in the AHL. He's the one that's looking for the players, which is good. That Jay Leach and the, and the supporting staff of of Trent um, Whitfield. Whitfield. And who's the other other coach? I'm sorry, Spencer Carberry. Thank you very much, my friend. Um, <laughs> these guys are, 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 are in, installing a system into his head, so the, the players aren't always looking for him anymore. It's he's got to have that supporting role to to help others out and feed others. So it's good to see that he's got more assists than goals in his first uh, pro season with the Providence Bruins, and so it's just going to be, you know. The whole theory of, of of making him a better player starts now and this year. Exactly. And it might even be next year. So don't, I mean, let's not worry about it. I mean, it, everything's going to work out fine. And, you know, as much as I didn't believe in the prospect pool of the past, I mean, after 2015, I was bought in. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? You trade me on You trade Dougie Hamilton. And you get all this back and you're preparing yourself for another run as the Bruins did previously when they got the stanley cup in 2011 i mean mm-hmm. they had seven straight seasons of postseason appearances two and of
0: which went to the stanley
2: cup final. yeah thir- t- 2011 2013 so this is all this all this youth insertion and and restocking is just gonna be better for the, at the nhl level in the future and i believe that this is i mean the bruins are in for the second straight year let's see five more years of this and then you know and go from there you know it's just it's all a work in progress and i'm wicked really excited to see
0: it absolutely yeah same i mean i, I really want to touch on um ryan fitzgerald but i know that we kind of gotta move along to the echl real quick go ahead go ahead all right well i mean all i was gonna say was that i think ryan fitzgerald's really gonna push for a job next year i the... really see him getting maybe a three uh le- third left wing or maybe uh like a even a fourth left wing which wouldn't be bad, because that's his role. He's just very good at, maybe he's not the greatest skill guy, but he goes into the dirty, he's, he is a blue-collar guy, he goes into all the dirty areas and does all the right things to be able to make sure that either his team scores or that he gets the goal himself. So, just a little shout-out to Ryan Fitzgerald, I think he's going to push for a spot next year. And with that, let's move on to the Atlantic Gladiators.
2: All right. The Atlanta Gladiators, um, uh, sh- crap. <laughs> Almost
0: had I, to put something in the swear jar there.
2: Yeah, I know. I kind of, I kind of shot myself, but <laughs> I, um, I forgot to write this stat down, but I'm just going to, I'm going to, um, pull it up now, um, uh, on the computer. I, I totally forgot, um, I don't want playoffs. Yeah, looks like... I I need the I need the um oh I got it, the standings.
0: Actually, they haven't even started the playoffs. I believe they're no. Looks like they're yeah, it, tomorrow tonight tomorrow night. And, so uh, at Florida in the Germain Arena, uh, I believe that Daniel Vladar will probably most likely be in net. I unfortunately believe it's going to be a short series, just given the yeah. um, Atlantic Gladiators' position in the standings, and it's not for. I mean, I know that we beat this topic to death, and uh, we'll continue to beat it to death. It's not Dan Vladar's fault. Right. Dan Vladar is a good goalie. If you look at his stat lines in the AHL level, he's a darn fine goalie. And he will continue to grow, and he will continue to get better. It's endemic of the talent pool that's around him, but... It's good for him to get a couple more games in and hopefully he'll join Providence afterwards to get even more experience, hopefully at the, uh, at the level that he is truly at right now, but take it away, Mark.
2: Uh, yeah. The, the, the Florida Everblades, the 2018 Kelly cup playoffs start tomorrow night round one, best of seven series. Um, and a, the schedule goes Monday, at 7.30 Tuesday at 7.30 Thursday at 7.35 and Friday at 7.35 and um, this series will feature a 2-3-2 format with the Florida team having the home ice advantage obviously being the best team in the whole league um, with 112 points. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I I mean it it doesn't get any better for the for the Atlantic Gladiators when you think about the uh, the regular season series. Um uh, these he, these teams played 10 times and lost all 10 regular season games.
0: Well, well we're going to see uh, Dan Vladar in Providence sooner e- than later.
2: Right. <laughs> um and um the re- regular season stats I, I kind of broke it down a little bit, but Florida out Scored Atlanta forty three to nineteen, and they also in those ten games outshot Atlanta three hundred and twenty seven times to two hundred and seventy four. So, I,
0: I almost feel bad for them.
2: I I I do too. I mean, <laughs> and the way that the Atlanta ended this season, uh, clinching the very last spot in the in the Eastern Conference, I. I don't see this team having much of a chance. Um, Yeah, they
0: basically uh, backed into the
2: playoffs, I think we talked about last week. And maybe if Vladar is with the team and not that third goalie up in Providence um, or the fourth goalie with Kyle Kieser. And by the way, um, uh, per Matt Kalman, friend of the show, uh, he's reporting today that Kyle Kieser was with the uh, NHL Boston Bruins at practice this afternoon at Warrior Ice Arena. So... Something it uh, probably needed another goalie up there to you know to uh, get the workouts going for the guys that were at the optional skate. So
0: I was going to say I believe it has something to do with um, you know the the concept of the Black Aces. Yep, I think he's kind of the goalie for the Black Aces at the moment. Yeah, as they, uh, with their ability to practice.
2: Yep, and and with being so close, you're only an hour, a two hour drive, so it's really yeah, it's not that bad. Fun. So that, that's it in a nutshell for the, the prospect talk uh, this week, brought to you by Weekend Warriors uh, adult training uh, camps, which start at the end of this month. Please, um, if you want to get to know anything about how to be a better player as an adult and, and, and be a leaguer, please contact these guys. They do a fantastic job, and they make their rounds across uh, the United States. So it's a lot of fun. Hopefully I can get some money up to – to to, to to join this uh, when it comes to Boston in um in uh, June,
0: take some of uh, Rob Tomlin's uh, vacation money. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. And 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 as he as he said earlier in the program, he uh, he's planning another trip. So, <laughs> <laughs> the guys the guy has never left uh, on a vacation in all the time of his life, but has gone on twenty of them in the past year. <laughs> so oh boy um josh always a pleasure my friend uh hopefully that uh we'll definitely get together i'm not sure how long the show will be next week but hopefully we have um uh, more p- uh, positive things to say about uh the uh, providence bruins and the atlantic gladiators uh coming down the stretch so yeah uh, hope
0: spring's eternal and i'm really looking forward to uh oh uh, in the summer when we get to do hopefully our uh Dev Camp show because that one's gonna be a good one. Yes, that's gonna be a lot of stuff to talk about that day because we're gonna have all the prospects from everywhere converging at one point. So that's gonna be a good show.
2: I hope, hopefully, you can make it for the whole four day duration.
0: I'm given my new job. uh, Woo woo! I'm more than likely gonna make at least three out of four. I'm not totally Ah, sure about four out of four. Yeah, so I'm at least gonna be there for the two weekend days. Hopefully, there for. 3 maybe I can get the Friday to uh, go as well. So
2: Yeah. And and with, my, and congratulations on the new place. Yes, appreciate it. Yeah, I'll be moving up a little closer to you. Um and w- what's really cool about that whole thing, not to cut you off, but you'll be able to travel the Worcester line. Yeah, exactly. We could meet at South Station and Uber to the warrior together if you, if that's something you'd be interested in.
0: Oh, yeah, perfect. I wouldn't even have to drive in. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. Yeah. See, I'll take the i mean, take
2: the bus from Newburyport go right into South Station and I can meet you there and then we can just go right to the Warrior.
0: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. That's perfect, in fact. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, mean, next season for Providence, if you want to, uh, we can definitely try to do it. Yeah, the that's what, what I was, was trying did. to
2: hit on you. I mean, oh, not hit on you, but... Uh,
0: <laughs> hit, I think, hint the way, on. <laughs> <to say laughs> yeah,
2: <about> right? <laughs> hint on last night when we were talking online about uh, the, the, the commuter rail and where it goes because absolutely, we could definitely go yeah. down to do a bunch of games
0: yep definitely oh that sounds like a great idea mark thanks all right again for, thanks again for this weekend uh looking forward to hopefully bigger and better things starting this afternoon for the providence Bruins.
2: absolutely and folks uh please don't forget to um read josh b's stuff at causeway uh, shipping up to causeway.com and also follow him at Two causeway on twitter josh again thank you very much and i will i look forward to talking to you next week
0: thanks mark see you next week Thanks for tuning in to this week's
2: show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277 at courtlalonde and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account
0: at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.